Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. say it back. Just so nice. Anyway, I'm very excited to welcome um, everyone here today, um, whether you're in person or joining us online. For anyone who may not know me, my name is Emily and I have been coming to Gordia Uniting now for a few years. Uh, so we're in week two of our new series called For Gula. Last week, Josh Shearer, our pastor, posed the questions, why do we meet and what's our purpose for us to consider as a church? He explained that our why in particular is important as our why leaks into the community around us. The why our community sees is their idea or their perspective on what we do and who we are. So by asking the question, what are we known for? will tell us how our community around us views us. For so long, the church has been increasingly being known for what it is against, rather than being known what it is for. For us, we need Gula to know that we are for the hurt, we are for the broken, and we are here for the loss. To let Gula know this, we first need to begin by having conversations and by finding common ground because God has blessed us with a potential, and that is people who do not know Jesus. And it is up to us to faithfully do what we can do to connect with the potential that God has given us. And so this is what we'll be looking at today. But first, can you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you that we are able to gather here freely today so we can read your word and learn about you. Father, let the words that are spoken today be your words and not my own. And Lord, give your people the ears to listen to what you are saying to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In this world, there are lots of different symbols. And one of the most recognisable symbols in the world are the golden arches of McDonald's. They are found in every continent with... Uh, in <laughs> Sorry. They found in every continent with the exception of Antarctica. In 65 years, McDonald's has grown from being one restaurant in the United States to over 38,000 locations globally. And yet, according to their vision, they're not finished. They have a vision to see a restaurant in every neighborhood across the globe with a passion to see every person know who they are. McDonald's and their golden arches are one of the most recognisable symbols worldwide. But does anyone know or could guess what the most recognised symbol in the world is? The cross, yeah, it is. The cross is the um, most recognisable symbol 
um, and it can be found anywhere in the world in one form or another. But sadly, not many people know what the significance of the cross is and what the cross really means. In the 2016 Australian Census, it was found that Gawler had a population of 23,355 people, of whom 51.3% identified as being a Christian. That means that at least 11,374 people are not, do not identify as being a Christian. And of that 11,374, we can safely assume that the majority of them do not know the meaning and the significance of the cross. That could be a minimum of 10,000 people. That's a lot of people right here in our community who don't know what the cross is, don't know what the cross means. McDonald's reaches billions of people across the globe, and yet they're not going to be satisfied until every person has access to a local McDonald's. And we as the church should have a similar view. We should not stop talking about Jesus, who he is and what he has done until every single person living on the planet has had the opportunity to hear what Jesus has done for them. If companies like McDonald's are potential focused, then we as the church need to be potential focused too. Last week we were asked, what do we want to be known for? And this week we answer with, we want to be known as being for Gula. We want the community of Gula to thrive because we are a part of Gula. And the reason we are for Gula is because God is for Gula. One of the reasons why so many people don't know Jesus and don't attend a church is because they've said no. They've said no to who Jesus is and what he has done. They've said no to the church and they've said no to what we believe. And today we're going to talk about a mindset that we need to have to respond to people who have said no. Because our response to those who said no can show Gawler that we are for them and not against them, and that God our Father is also for them and not against them. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19, where Jesus gives us a very significant clue as to what we as a church are supposed to do, based on what he came to do. So if we look at Luke 19, we'll start at verse 1, and we can read through to verse 10 if you've got a Bible and like to follow along. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, 
Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Here in this passage, we see a man named Zacchaeus. And from the passage, we know that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was wealthy, he was short, and he was seen by society as a sinner. If we look at the historical context of this story, we, we find out why Zacchaeus was unfavorable to a lot of people. No one in the history of time has ever liked paying taxes, much less the first century Jew, um, Jewish people, because it was no secret that the Roman Empire loved gaining, gaining wealth by excessively taxing their people and they had no rules to protect those who were paying the tax. So therefore, a tax collector could go and collect whatever money they wanted. And tax collectors were, being, were known for being wealthy, but overtaxing people within their district and keeping the overtax percentage for themselves. So it's not unsurprising then that a good percentage of the population hated tax collectors. A first century tax collector was a social outcast. Zacchaeus was ostracized by the community he lived in and every person he met was predisposed to disliking him. The Jewish community had said no to Zacchaeus and yet as we read in Luke 19 verses four and five, someone said yes to Zacchaeus instead of no and that someone was Jesus. But Jesus said more than just yes. Jesus invited Zacchaeus to spend time with him by going over to Zacchaeus' house as a guest. And we see that in verse seven because the crowd responded, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But through Jesus saying yes, instead of no to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was able to have a transformation of the heart. In verse eight, Zacchaeus proclaims, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Because Jesus said yes to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus had the opportunity to experience the goodness of the Father, who wishes for all of his children to know him and be in a close familial relationship with him. For Jesus' mission was not to seek out the religious to join the kingdom of God. Rather, instead, Jesus says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus' mission in life was to seek out those who were distant from the Father and offer them the opportunity to get to know the Father. Jesus came for the lost, not those already found. And I think sometimes it can be too easy to dismiss, to dismiss someone as being interested in the church based on our preconceived ideas of them. It could be that they've been disinterested in the past. It could be because we assume that their values differ from ours. It could be based on their appearance or their past experiences. I remember a few years ago, I met a friend in a skills group. And when I met this person, who I'm gonna call Lenny, I had this preconceived idea in my head from the conversations that I had with them that they'd never be interested in the church. 
When the skills group finished, I continued to meet up with Lenny on a regular basis. We used to walk, meet up together on a Saturday and go walking. I remember one Saturday, we had arranged a meet-up in the evening and I sent him a message saying, hey, I just realised that there's this worship night on that I really want to go to. Can we meet up earlier? And so he said, yeah, sure. When I met up with Lenny, what surprised me was the questions he asked me. He asked me lots of questions about faith. What did I believe in? Who is Jesus? What's a worship night and what happens there? There were just a few of the questions he asked me, but one of the questions that stood out the most was, would I be welcome to come along? Up until that point, I had never really considered that Lenny would be interested in finding out more about the church because of the conversations I'd had with him. So I extended the invitation for Lenny to come with me to that worship night. And it was then that Lenny told me he'd always been scared because he'd grown up in an abusive situation and been taught to believe that God would never accept someone broken. He had, Lenny had said no to the church, so the church couldn't say no to him. And Lenny is a prime example of someone who was lost. Someone, if Jesus was walking on this planet today, would have actively sought out. And as Christ's ambassador, Lenny is the example of someone I ought to have sought out because they believed the church had said no, and thus they had said no to the church. My friend believed that the church would have been against them. And without the honesty I would have had when I discussed faith and Jesus with him, he would still believe that God would never have been accepting of them. We as the church need to be open and transparent in saying yes to everyone and anyone. We need to say yes to the people who have said no to what we believe. We need to say yes to the people who have said no to the church. We need to say yes to the people who have said no to Jesus. And we need to say yes to those who just don't know. Because when we say yes to people, regardless of their belief, their past, their age, their identity, their occupation, we are saying that we are for them. And we are showing that we believe God is for the people. However, in order to say yes, we need to push back against insider thinking. Insider thinking is being concerned with the insiders only. For McDonald's, insider thinking is, well, a few billion people across 38,000 locations have access to our products. That's good enough. But that's not what McDonald's McDonald's has thought at all. Instead, they've gone, what more could we do to spread more locations so that everyone on the planet can have access to our product? McDonald's works do all they can to remove barriers preventing people from accessing their products. And this is something the church needs to do. 
We, as God Church, need to look at the barriers that may prevent someone from attending church and work out solutions to remove these barriers. We never want it to be said that McDonald's is more passionate about fast food than we as the church are about reaching people for Jesus. We need to shift from thinking about those who attend the church to those outside of the church. In the church world, pastors very rarely get phone calls or emails from outsiders saying, if you do this, we might start attending church. Instead, pastors much more commonly get calls or emails saying, if you don't do this, or if you play this style of music, or if you launch this program, we are going to leave. If we aren't careful and mindful about reaching outsiders, we can let insider thinking craft our church around people who already know Jesus and who are already going to spend an eternity in heaven. Jeff Henderson, a pastor of North Point Ministries, says to people with uh, concern with inside thinking, the best kind of church for you to attend isn't one that caters to you, but instead invites you into the mission of focusing on those who are far from God. This is the mission of Jesus, seeking and saving the lost. Today, I want to ask you to consider serving in our church. I want to ask you to consider giving to the church. And I want to ask you to get involved. Because you'll never know what the church can do for you until you experience what the church can do through you. But there's still the question, how do we say yes to those who have said no? Well, we can think about it a little bit practically. We aren't experts and we are still learning how to say yes. But in Acts 17, we have the model that the Apostle Paul used to help the church say yes. So in Acts 17, we'll look at verses 16 to 23. While Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meaning of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. 
and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. We see that Paul went out into the community. In verse 17, he went to both the synagogue and the marketplace, and he spoke to whoever happened to be there. In verse 19, he was brought to the meeting of the Areopagus, which was the Athenian governing council. When Paul addressed the Areopagus, he states the actions he had taken since arriving in Athens. In verses 22 and 23, Paul saw, he looked around, he observed, and he listened to what the people of Athens were saying. Indra Na'ai is the former CEO and board of directors member for PepsiCo. During her time as CEO, she enabled Pepsi to grow in a way it hadn't before and saw an increase in PepsiCo employees' morale. When she was interviewed, she said her reason for this was, we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. Indra Nauri attributed her success to listening to what people wanted and responding to their needs. We need to listen to the people in our community so we can determine how to cater for their needs to break the barriers that prevent them from engaging with the church. An Australian survey in 2018 found that a third of people aged between 13 and 18 identified as having no religion or spiritual beliefs. The study found that 23% were of this worldly category, that is, they had no time or care for, relig for religious, spiritual or non-material possibilities. 19% were nominally religious. Faith wasn't overly important to them as individuals, but they did identify with the religious status of their parents or caregivers. 18% were spiritual but not religious. God, faith and religion were unimportant, but they were open to a spiritual exploration. 17% were religiously committed. Faith was highly important to their life. 15% were indifferent. They were either undecided or they just didn't care. And 8% were seekers. They were actively exploring spirituality and religion. When the teens in the this-worldly, nominally religious, spiritual but not religious, and in different categories were asked what determined their views on exploring religion. A common response was they were put off by the strict rules. Many were open to diversity, but were aware of being told what they could and could not do. And I've had similar experiences with friends saying something along the lines of, oh, I could never behave enough for church. There's this perception out there in the community that in order to attend a church, even as a just a once-off, you must meet a standard of behaviour before attending. Most people who don't attend church say they would be more likely to attend a church if they could find a community they could relate to. Now, being relatable does not require us to compromise our beliefs or water down our values. We just need to make ourselves available we need to listen and let the people know we are for them. As people have a desire to belong to a community, but often fear rejection due to a conflicting belief or behaviour, 
We need our church become known as a community where people can belong without being pressured into changing their beliefs or their behaviour before attending. Back on the 4th of April this year, we started a series called Belong, Believe, Behave, where we explored that the best way to reach people is to make them feel welcomed. And this starts with both authentic community and relational evangelism. If we're honest about life, we become more relatable as human beings. And if we build relationships with people, then our behaviour and our actions can speak louder than words. When we work to make people feel welcomed, we let people know we are for them and that they are our special guests and we want them to know who we know. We want them to know Jesus. To help people come to know Jesus, we need to say yes in a common unifying language. We need to have a common language that runs throughout our church in all areas of ministry that can be easily understood by both the insiders and the outsiders. We need to take the time to listen to the community around us and find that common language that we can use to say, we are here for the people. We are not here to be against the people. And this is why we have launched the four series so that we can begin building a common language and a common bond. So, as we wrap up and leave today, we need to remember that we must be continuously trying to reach more people because we want to say yes to those who have said no. We want to say yes to those who have said no to Jesus, the church, and what we believe. Something very powerful happens when the people who have said no to the church realises that the church still says yes to them. God has blessed our church with extraordinary potential because there are more people to reach. We are going to say yes to them by showing we are for them and that even better, God is for them. Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you that you are for the people. Thank you that regardless of our background, our culture, our beliefs, you give us the opportunity to seek you and be found by you because you are for all the people. Lord, help us to be bold in navigating ways to say yes to those who have said no and open our eyes to find ways to remove all the barriers that may prevent people from finding you. And Lord, please convict us to never stop trying to reach all the lost people. Spur us on with a desire to see all the people come to know you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen.